want to just welcome you this morning. My name is Pastor Greg. Uh, we're going to conclude our series called New Normal. If you've been following with the messages, uh, we've been preaching in this uh, series for a number of weeks. And we're going to conclude today with a message titled Embracing a New Thing. Let's pray and we'll just invite the Lord's presence into our homes, wherever you're gathered, wherever you are watching. Let's just invite uh, the Lord to come and Holy Spirit to come and speak to us. Lord, thank you that you have something to say. Thank you that you have a voice. Lord, it's not just, a, uh, not just words, but Lord, your words have power. And uh, they shape our lives. They bring hope. They bring life. Uh, they bring clarity for our futures. And so, Lord, we just open our hearts to you. We open our hearts to your word. Lord, we pray that you would speak to us, that you would mold and shape our lives as we just soften our hearts and open our hearts to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, last week, we started into uh, the book of Joel. I just introduced a little bit of the book of Joel, and we were talking about how a plague had come into the nation, into the kingdom of Judah, and this plague was a plague of grasshoppers. They had come and invaded the nation. They were devouring the nation, and we were talking about how, how sin can be like a, a plague, and it can devour our dreams. It can devour our potential. It can devour our futures, and that's what was happening in the nation, and people were just in uh, bewilderment. They didn't know what to do. So sin has the potential to derail the promised future that God has planned for you and I. You know, God sent Joel at that time to bring a message. And the message was that things are bad. And they already knew that. That was obvious. Things are bad. And we could say that about our own nation right now, that things are bad. And Joel went on to say, but their God was Badder. <laughs> you know, things are bad, but our God is badder than the bad we're going through. And we quoted the scripture, Joel 2, verse 1. Let all who live in the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is close at hand. There's hope coming. You know, God uses wilderness experiences. He uses challenging situations to open us up for a fresh encounter with his spirit. That's what he was doing in Joel's day. And I'd like to suggest to you that this is what God is doing in our day. He's preparing us. He's asking our hearts that they would be open so that we could have a fresh encounter with his, with his Holy Spirit. Will you embrace the new thing that God wants to do in you? You know, people can be gullible. You know, Joel was talking to the people in his nation, who had seen miracles. They had the word of God. They had prophets to lead them in the ways of God. They, they, were, they were believing, despite all of that, that the grasshoppers were more powerful than God. You know, God had already delivered them from a plague of grasshoppers before. You know, he just blew on them, it says, and they were... Uh, destroyed in the Red Sea. You know, they knew that they were nothing for God to deal with. You know, we've also seen the goodness of God. 
We've been rescued. We've been delivered. We've seen healings. We've seen provision. You know, just a couple weeks ago, Carla and I were at home, and our power went out in our house on the holiday weekend, and the parts we needed for, to, to repair it, there was nothing open. So I phoned a friend, and he was an electrician. He happened to have the very part that we needed in his toolbox that he had bought for another job that got canceled. And he said, you know, electricians are um, an essential service. I can come over and fix it for you right now. Within a couple of hours, no cost to us, no strain, God provided what we needed. We've been given provision by God. We've seen provision. We've been given life we, when we didn't deserve it. But somehow the devil can sway our hearts so easily. You know, one little bit of opposition, and we begin to question, God, where are you? God, I don't see you. God, do you love me? <laughs> I just like to say when it comes to asking, how do we know God loves us? Dude, do you know what Jesus did for you on the cross? Do you know what his main motivation was? It wasn't because he had to do it. He did it because he loved you. He laid down his life for you. He was mocked and tortured and humiliated in the worst way out of love for you. You know, one of the biggest lies believers believe is that when we're losing the battle with sin, that God is going to abandon us. You see, sin invites defeat into our lives, but Jesus invites freedom into our lives. You know, John 10, 27, Jesus said this, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. You know, we need the living word of Jesus. Otherwise, we fall into these traps. We fall into these, these uh, kinds of nonsense where we're deceived and we lose courage and we fall into temptation and doubt and we become defeated. You're so much more than defeated to Jesus. You're so much more than a waste to Jesus. He died for you to redeem your life. That means he died for you to purchase you out of the slave market of sin, to place uh, the place where sin puts dreams and identity and futures to death, the place where Judah was, watching the grasshoppers eat their dreams and identity and futures. And I would say today, there's some of you that are watching today that you're seeing your hopes and dreams devoured by sin. And Jesus wants to step in. And he wants to say to you, I've paid the price. I've paid the price for your life. And I want to restore what sin has tried to steal from you. You know, Paul himself wrote to the Christians in Rome. They were facing all kinds of sin. You can read about it in Romans chapter 1. They, he lists all kinds of sins. The same kind of sins that we see going on in our world. They were, the Roman Christians, they were in the thick of it. They were mixed up in all kinds of sin. Anything that we can think of, that, that's what they faced. But you know what? On top of that, Paul said in Romans 1 verse 30, 
that they were even the inventors of evil things. You know, it wasn't just the sins you could think of. They actually made up more things. They invented sins. You know, that's where they were at. And religion would say, you're a failure. God will never love you now. There's no hope for you. You really are rotten. You're a low life. You're never going to amount to anything. But grace says something different. And that's the, that's the thrust of Paul's letter to the Romans. That it wasn't sin that was going to rule them. It was going to be grace. See, grace is something the Bible says that Jesus was full of. Have you ever told somebody that they're full of it? You probably weren't thinking of grace. Jesus was full of something. He was full of grace and truth, the Bible says. Full of grace. That's the empowering presence of God that helps us to be who he wants us to be and do what he wants us to do. When it comes to our battle against sin, it's not more rules that we need. It's more of Jesus' grace. And you know what? Jesus wants to give it to you. Romans 5 verse 20 says, But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Isn't that amazing? Where sin, we see sin rising up in our lives. Guess what Jesus wants to do? He wants to come rushing in like a flood. And he wants to fill your life with God's empowering presence. Not just up to your ankles or up to your knees or up to your waist, but abound. And he wants it to wash over you. He wants it to sweep you off your feet and carry you into the strength and power of walking in God's grace. Grace says there's hope for you. You know, this is the message that Joel was bringing to Judah. People, sin is everywhere. The attack is on full blast. There's no way we can stop this on our, in our own strength. But I got good news for you that this is the day of the Lord. Not only was God prepared to forgive them, but Joel had the message for the people of Judah. And that is the message that rings true for us as well today. That Jesus saves then he repays. Joel 2.25 says, The word of the Lord, I will repay you for the years that the locusts have eaten. Has the devil stolen from you? Has he robbed you? Has he taken you down? Well, I want to tell you that Jesus' heart for you is not just to save you, not just to deliver you, but also to repay you for what the devil has taken. What has sin taken? What regrets are you carrying? When you pray, do you look at your life and say, you know what, there's no way I could do that now. There's no way I could walk into that future that God promised me now. The enemy is trying to steal from you. But Jesus wants to make provision for you. I will repay you was the message that God gave Joel to bring to the people who had been overcome by sin. Where sin abounded, grace did that much more abound. You might be sitting there thinking right now, Pastor, you're full of it. 
<laughs> it could never happen like that for me. You have no idea what I've been involved in. You have no idea how far I am from God right now. You have no idea how discouraged I am. Well, I have to agree with you on this one thing. I am full of it. Full of grace. Full of faith. Not in myself, but in Jesus. Because why? I have seen him do it. I've seen him do it. I've seen him. I've seen people encounter the grace of God. I've seen marriages restored. I've seen people say there's no way we could stay together. But because of God's grace, they're together in love today. I've seen people who have been living in sin, destroyed by sin, and God has turned their lives around. I've seen it happen. I've seen children walking in anger with their parents, and God has restored relationship. I've seen it happen. I've seen the grace of God do its work in people's lives. I've seen it. That's the truth. Where sin abounds, grace does that much more want to abound in your life. This is the day of the Lord, not just for Judah, not just for the people in Joel's day, but for us in our day. Grace wants to show you that it's far more powerful than any other power in this earth, including COVID-19. If we ended here today, we could. This would just be a ridiculously good message. This would just be ridiculously good news. We could throw a party right now, right here, like there's no tomorrow because of the grace of God, because the grace that Jesus wants to give us. But at the end of the party that's going on in Joel's day, he says these words, and afterward, and afterward. After your dreams were snatched away, after you were overwhelmed with defeat, after you thought you couldn't take it anymore, after the grasshoppers ate it all, Joel came with the message, things are bad, but our God is badder. Just turn to him, show him that your heart is torn for what you've gone through, and turn to him like he's going to show himself strong. He's going to redeem you. He's going to repay you for what was taken for him. He's going to get your hopes up. By giving you his grace, his strength, his powering, empowering presence. And then he says, and afterward. What do you mean? And afterward, there can't be more. Have you ever had a great weekend? Have you ever had an off, awesome day of sales at work? Or, or have you ever asked out a girl and she said yes? Huh? You thought... It just can't get any better than this. It just can't get any better. And oftentimes you're right. It doesn't get any better. You know, you take her out and she's got really bad breath or something, you know. Or, and, and you're just like, oh, no. <laughs> well, Joel comes right in at this point with the after end afterward. The no, it doesn't end here. The yes, there's more. The yes, it does get better. And in Joel 2.28, he says these words. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. And your young men will see visions. See, God has redeemed your life for a purpose. And his purpose is fulfilled in your life as you live in the power 
of the Holy Spirit. Just like in Joel's day, it's often in these times of trial. It's often in these times where we're in a wilderness, where we're alone, and we feel like things are dry and there's no hope. And we call out to God. And then he says, and afterwards, I want to pour out my spirit on your life. You know, some of you have encountered God's goodness, his forgiveness, his redemption, his joy, new life. You've even been repaid. But you just can't seem to pull the trigger on what God made you to be. And the answer to what's going on lies right in these words. And after word. You know, Jesus' close friend, Peter, he was a disciple of Jesus. The Bible says that he uh, was radically changed when he started to follow Jesus. <laughs> you know, his life turned around. He was going one direction in life, and he started to walk a totally different direction. But he struggled in his life. He just could not pull the trigger on that thing, that walking in that purpose, in that destiny that Jesus had for him. He was redeemed, yes. He was forgiven, yes. He was repaid, yes. But he was powerless in his life to walk in the purposes of God. And the Bible says in the book of Acts that Peter had an encounter, an and afterward encounter with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was poured out on his life and he became a powerful person in the purposes of God. That's what happened. Something happened that changed everything for him. He had this powerful experience. And you know how he, how he explained it? You know what verse that he went to to explain what happened to him? This verse in the book of Joel. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit. That's what Peter said. You know what happened to me? You know what came into my life that I, that I cannot believe what's going on? <laughs> it's I, and afterward, I will pour out my spirit. That's what he said. These are the exact words that he quoted to tell what happened to him. And I just want to challenge you this morning. If you're, if you're living a redeemed life, if you're trying to follow God, you're looking for an and afterward, well, this is the answer that you're looking for right here. And I just want to talk to you this morning about three things the Holy Spirit wants to do in you and I. You know, Isaiah 43 verse 19 says, See, I am doing a new thing. And now it springs up. Do you perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. That's God's heart for you. He wants to do something new in your life. So I'm just asking you, would you open your heart? Would you just open your heart? Would you just open the possibility could the Holy Spirit fill my life? Could he empower my life? Could he have an and afterward for me? Is there a power that could help me to move into my destiny, into my purposes? I would like to suggest to you that God wants to pour out his spirit on his life on this Pentecost Sunday. As Pastor Kimmy said, this is the day we celebrate when God poured his spirit out on Peter and God still wants to pour his spirit out on you. Three things the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. Number one, 
He wants us to find our voice. He wants us to find our voice. That verse says that our, that our sons and daughters will prophesy. You know that word prophesy? It means to speak or sing by inspiration. That means God is going to inspire you with words to say or songs to sing. It's to be led by God. It's to, to say something or sing something to our generation that will impact our, the future of our generation. It's God's plan that young people would have a voice. You know what's the devil's plan? That young people would be silenced. They would be, they would be dismissed. They would be thought of as irrelevant or rebellious. But God's heart for young people is that they would bring an inspired word or inspired song from God's heart for our generation that would bring life and hope and strength. I'm believing that young people in Gateway Church, that they would encounter God in such a way that they would not be able to contain the message or the sound of what God is speaking into their hearts, into their, into their lives. You know, sometimes we believe that young people don't have anything meaningful to say. Young people can't do it as well. They're, you know, they're not faithful. They're not committed and so on. But I would like to suggest to you that young people know God and they love God. And God wants to speak to you. He has something to say to you. And he wants to release the word of the Lord right out of your mouth, right out of your heart. And that's one of the signs of what happens as we're filled with the Spirit of God. And I believe not just the young people, but all the people of the, of the church, all the people in our generation. God wants us to be inspired to speak forth his will and his word. The second, the second thing that the Holy Spirit wants to do in you is he wants to fill you with hope. He wants to fill you with hope. You know, the old men, the Bible said, would dream dreams. When you can dream, it means you have hope. You know, when you can dream a dream, that means you believe it's possible. There's, I can see a possibility of what could happen. It means you believe things can change. Things could improve. When you look at someone's life, you don't just dismiss them and say there's no hope, but you have a dream and you believe that there's hope for that person. Their life could change. You believe for uh, our community. You believe for our neighborhoods. You believe for your school. You believe for your workplace. You get a dream that God could do something. It's amazing how over the years people have come to me and said, God gave me a dream. And sometimes I look at them and I think, Holy smokes, I think you're, you must have been dabbling with something because I just don't see how that's possible. <laughs> I don't say that, you know. I just kind of think it inside. I'm like, whoa, that just seems like out of reach. But you know what? I always try to, my best to encourage people and pray a prayer of faith. And it's amazing how many times people's dreams come true. They see a possibility. God plants a seed of possibility in their minds. You know, I remember when I was in Bible college in my first year, and I was really immature, and I was, 
I was struggling and so on. But I went to Bible college and and I didn't have enough money to pay for the whole year. I had about three quarters of, of the money saved up. But I just went anyway out of obedience to God. And, and the business administrator called me into his office and said, how are you going to pay for the rest of the year? You're going to have to go home. I'm like, I don't know. And so we prayed together. And, and I filled out an application to get a lo- student loan. And, they, and then I got rejected. I was really discouraged. And I phoned my dad on the phone. My dad, he didn't have any love for the Bible. And the thought didn't even cross my mind to ask my dad to help me. But after we had our conversation, he said these words, Son, do you need anything? And all of a sudden, it hit me. The hope hit me. It wasn't even in my mind. But the Holy Spirit came and the hope just hit me on the side of the head and I just said it. I could use $1,200. And he said, okay, I'll loan you the money. I'll send you a check in the mail tomorrow. I tell you, I was so excited. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit can come and give you hope. The Holy Spirit can put something. It doesn't even seem real. It doesn't even seem like it's a possibility, but the Holy Spirit comes and he fills you with hope. He puts a dream in your heart and he makes a way when things seem impossible. The third thing the Holy Spirit wants to do when you're filled with the Spirit is he wants to energize you for a new tomorrow. And this is a hard thing, especially for us older ones. The Bible says young men would see visions. You know, visions is how we see the future. And as we get older, the way we see the future is by looking back at the past. That's why there's oldies stations on the radio, you know. Young people don't generally listen to the oldies station. It's us oldies that listen to the oldies because we're looking back at what we enjoyed. We're looking back at the future. But the future you see is the future you're going to eventually live. And we're going to live in the past. We want to live in the future. That's where the Holy Spirit's going to lead us to. The Holy Spirit wants to help us see a new future. One that wouldn't be possible without God. We all can see the natural. But the Holy Spirit wants us to see the supernatural. We can be limited by thinking. We can be limited by thinking what we should have done, what we always have done, what we would have done, all those kinds of things. But the Holy Spirit wants to give you a vision of a new future. Church, there's a new future for us. We're not just looking back at how we were in January. We want to look ahead to how God wants us to be in September, right? The Holy Spirit will give us not just the vision, but the energy to walk in to that future. You might say, oh, Pastor Greg, I don't know if I have the strength to do anything new. That's okay. The Holy Spirit wants to empower us for the future that he wants to give us. The people of Judah were stuck in a rut They were defeated in their old patterns. And God used a nationwide crisis to waken them to a new future 
new possibilities and new hope. And that's where we are today in Canada. God has wakened us to a new future, new possibilities, and a new hope. We could just say, we're going to long to go back to what's familiar, to get back into our old ways, into our old ruts. Or we can say, you know what? And afterward, and afterward, the Holy Spirit will be poured out on all people. Your sons and daughters would prophesy. Your old men would dream dreams. And your young men would see visions. Just want to pray with you this morning. Just invite you to close your eyes wherever you are watching this this morning. You know the Holy Spirit is speaking to some of you this morning and just inviting you that part of the message uh, of uh, forgiveness and hope just you know, just was ringing true to your heart. You're saying, man, that's what I want. I want to be forgiven. I want to be, I want to, I want to encounter that God that loves like that. I want to encounter the Jesus that has the grace like that, that would empower my life to be a different person. And I'm just going to invite you to say a prayer, just to invite him into your life right now. Just, you can just say this prayer, simple prayer of invitation to Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you proved it on the cross. Thank you that you didn't, just, you didn't just prove your love, but Lord, you offered to forgive me and to give me hope, to give me grace, to give me your strength. So Lord, I just want to invite you to come. Come into my life, Lord. Come into my life. Forgive me, God. Just remove the things in my life that have been weighing me down, that have been that have been knocking me off track. Lord, and, and I just pray that you just make my heart new, God. Give me a new heart. Give me new desires. Thank you, Lord. I'm just inviting you to come and fade my life. Just, just begin to lead me, Lord. As I open my heart to you, as I begin to pray, as I begin to, to read the Bible, Lord, I just pray you just begin to speak to me and lead me. I want to follow you. Help me to hear your voice, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I receive you right now into my life. In Jesus' name, amen. And others of you saying, man, that's something missing. That end afterward, that outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that thing that Peter said that he found, that's what I want. I want my life to be empowered. I want to walk in strength into the destiny that God has for me. I want to walk into the future and energized by God. I want to be able to, to hear God's voice and to bring words uh, from God's heart that are going to strengthen people, strengthen the church. Man, I just want to pray for you. And just I'm just asking you, just open your arms. Just open your arms to the Holy Spirit. Just say, Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you for loving me. And I just want to open my heart to you, Holy Spirit. And I want, to, I want to just ask you that you would pour yourself out on my life. Lord, I'm just opening my life to you. Lord, I've, I've, I've not walked, Lord, in, in strength and in power. So, Lord, I'm just praying that you would come and empower me, me in my weakness. Lord, that you would empower me 
Lord, in my thought life. Empower me in my, in my heart, in my determinations. God, Lord, in my passion for, for Jesus. Lord, that you would empower me. In my prayers, God, you would begin to empower my prayers, God. That my prayers would have power when I pray. That people's, people's lives would be changed when I pray for them. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, that you're wanting to do something new. And we're opening our heart. Lord, our nation has been plagued. God and our hearts are torn God we need you God we need your mercy on us God Lord we're not trusting Lord in our in our in our own intelligence Lord in our own strategies God Lord we need a move of your spirit on our lives we need to walk in your power we need to be led by you Holy Spirit so we're opening ourselves up to you we're making ourselves humble to you oh God in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're just coming now. Coming now in your power. You know, the Bible says that Jesus breathed on his disciples and they were filled with his spirit. So, Lord, we just pray you would breathe on your people. Let your breath blow over this community, God. Let it blow over these internet uh, wires, Lord, that you would reach into every home, every place where someone is watching. You would just let your breath go forth, God, that your power would go forth into people's lives. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. God bless you.